It's <laughs> so stupid. Oh, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> Welcome to After Hours with the Donnie Grubb Band at the Hitching Post in Apache Junction. Would you be able to put that down over there, please? Yeehaw. No. We got our buddy, uh, Mr. Kenny Hess, here for episode 17. Just happened to walk in the Hitching Post Just tonight. rolled in. <laughs> Completely buddy, unexpected. Buddy from Canada, right? We, he wasn't expected at all. We didn't bring a whole bunch of mics and stuff to set up so we could <laughs> no, have him sing with us here. Yeah. Yeah. We just happen to have these with us, yeah. Mm-hmm. I always carry microphones with me. <laughs> Who doesn't? It's but like a did, fucking knife. I, I didn't know until today. You called me today and said, hey, <laughs> you lazy bugger. Right, you, you should doing? come over and hang with us a little bit. <laughs> you're not working enough. Do something. Right, you're not Actually, a busy I've dude. I've been really, really slack the last little way. I haven't been doing a lot of shows and... Uh, you know, so it was perfect. I was glad you called. I almost forgot I was a singer. <laughs> hey, so stupid question. So we just had Thanksgiving yesterday. Do you guys have Thanksgiving in Canada? Yes, we do. do but it's about a month ago, oh. month and a half ago. Yeah. So what 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 is it? What is it based on? Like what's same the... thing as yours. Oh. Exact same thing. Thanksgiving. It's oh. uh, it's based on the fact that uh, you know we came over and stole the land, from the <laughs> and, right? You know, and we're thankful that they. You know, didn't kill all of you. <laughs> so, do a lot of the same tribes that were from the states here exist up there? I know the Iroquois was kind of a huge deal a- up absolutely. in. Absolutely, no. There's lots of them, and as you guys know, my mother was Native Indian. Uh, my mother was Cree from the Cree Nation, which huh. gives me I have you know the right to work in in actually all three countries: Mexico, United States, and Canada. Yeah. Because of the I had no idea that was a thing. Me neither. It is. Yeah. I, it's called Métis, which means that I'm I'm mixed breed. So uh, half breed, not quite, not quite, <laughs> but pretty close. I'm quarter. My my mother's father was uh, full blood Cree. So that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't realize like th- that you had that ability to work in all three countries. There is a treaty between. For that. Yeah, it's a Métis treaty, and <laughs> uh, the. Uh, I guess you'd call it the band that mm-hmm. my mother's family was from is Cree, and Cree is is predominant in in northern uh, Canada, and then right down in through the Dakotas and everything. Oh, that's awesome! So, I didn't realize yeah, that they were uh, nomad. Yeah, hmm. so piece of information nobody gave a darn about. Hey, well, that's a, probably a lot of people don't know that about you. So that's cool. <laughs> I didn't know that. I had no really? idea. Really, you didn't know? I that? had no idea. Oh. No. I thought you were a hillbilly. I didn't. (laughs) I'm true hillbilly. Yeah, I tell you know I tell everybody I'm as American as you can get. (laughs) That's true. You got about all of North America covered there. I got it covered. So you got back in the town what two weeks ago? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Come down and. just kind of hanging out, doing a bunch of shows, and not as many as I normally do, but I've done three or four since I've been here, and I got another one next week, and uh, then I'm off to California, and then up to Canada for a while. So nice, yeah. nice. We always and like back. it when you come down here. So you heading up to Canada for Christmas? And uh, yeah, I've got to. I'm, I'm back here before then. I'm, I've got to go up and do a couple of shows until from the fifth through the tenth, and uh, and then I'm back down after that. I've got a couple of shows, one in chandler and one i think here in apache junction yeah. somewhere yeah. you know what we should do is like give everybody a little background because uh this might be the first time they're meeting kenny yeah, that's probably that's a really really good go. point there yeah well bust out man what's your background here he has no background i'm gonna get i'm gonna tell you his background. <laughs> okay let's see let's see if donnie's so got all the, comes, all the stuff he here. comes stumbling into the hitching post one night barely can i'm just kidding <laughs> actually you know i met kenny a long, long time ago. I don't. I don't even remember exactly where. But um, 
your daughter had shot a music video here at the Hitching Post. That's um, right. Becca. Yeah, Becca. Great and singer. Great writer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic performer. And it, she's awesome to watch, by the way. Yeah, I, I, was, I was about in tears up in Canada a couple years ago when she was doing her set. I would just, oh. I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy. Yeah, me but, too. Um, so, you know, several years later, after I met Kenny, he comes into the bar to show off uh, the, the place. So you, one of your buddies was here? Yeah, I had a buddy in town. So yeah. showing him where Becca shot the video and yeah. stuff, which was, it was a great. Have you seen the video? Yes, I have, actually. It's, it's an yeah. awesome video. It ain't even raining, it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shot right here. Yeah. Yeah, got the superstitions and everything in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny that, like, we didn't run into her because she did that, like, right about the time we were starting down here at the hitching post. Yeah, no, I yeah. remember seeing, like, my drum kit in there. I'm like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> like, when did this happen? Anyway, so Kenny comes in, and he's like, hey, you. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we met. I think I was playing and you were playing too, maybe at Country Thunder. Or uh, yeah, something. I think it, we, I was in Saskatchewan. Oh, there you are. Okay. Well, it, yeah, that might have been at Craven, Saskatchewan. Yeah, at Craven, yeah. yeah doing the yeah. Craven Country Jamboree. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we'd run into each other. I played it a few times as yeah. well. So. I was, uh, I'm actually going to tell this story now. So I was playing uh, right after Sawyer Brown on okay. the B stage. And um, th there wasn't a whole lot of activity going on back there. There was no sound guys or whatever. So I, I walked up on stage and, like, uh, sat in the back, you know, to off to the wings and watched uh, Sawyer Brown set. And I believe, you know, I'm, I'm almost positive this was you. This is where I met you. But you were standing at the stairs also, and you walked up behind me. And then we sat and had a conversation about about how well you know how awesome Sawyer Brown was and there was at one point in the show where Sawyer's doing their, they're doing their they're doing their set and the bass player strap gives out and he drops his bass on the oh, stage no. in the middle of like the race is on or something dude that's brutal <laughs> Kenny goes oof, oof. <laughs> then, well what's funny is like it, he took so long to bend down and pick up his bass like I mean he must have like just sat there and stared at it for a whole verse how high was he? he reached over I, I have no idea but it was the it was in they're pretty good guys. So, pretty so then, good several guys. years later, I run into Kenny here at the Hitching Post in AJ, Arizona, which is the most what what abstract thing that could happen. Yeah, it was really weird. And and uh, the beauty of it is, is that I don't go out to clubs and that. I never go out because I make my living, you know, singing songs and writing them. And uh, so I don't really spend a lot of time in clubs. But when I came in that night and seen you. I, like most people, fell in love with the Donnie Grubb band. I really did. I sat here and listened to them play and, uh, you know, not to take away from the other guys, but to hear Donnie play some of his stuff just moved me. So I sat oh, here. And, oh, it does. It does. And uh, I sat here and my wife said, geez, I can't get you to go out to the clubs ever. And <laughs> here you are, you know, you know, and she's been trying for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a good stint there where I think we saw you here. Lots. Oh, quite a lot. Lots, yeah. I, uh, you know, I liked coming in and, you know, just listening to it. And, uh, you know, I know you've got Tim back now on mm -hmm. Steel, and I love that. You guys have a, a great feel together. So. Yeah, we have a love-hate thing. Yeah, I don't, yeah, but you know what? Every good marriage has a love-hate thing. You're right. And You're right. within bands, I mean, I look at it and, you know, Pete Townsend can't stand Roger Daltrey, so you know, <laughs> but they've done all right together. They've done all right, you know? right. <laughs> and you, you know, begrudgingly, you know, they've made it happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and there's lots of other groups like that that have done it, and you know, not that I'm saying you hate Tim or Tim hates you, but you have. It's okay, you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Tim might be watching. <laughs> I don't think Tim has the internet. I don't think so either. <laughs> True enough. True enough, yeah. The uh, nice thing about it is I know none of my fans are watching because I just don't have any fans anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Well, I think after this you probably will. Uh, so you know, we made him bring a guitar with him so he could sit and talk about his extensive songwriting career and all the cool things that he's done. And and uh, you're, you're a member of the Canadian country music hall of fame up in uh, up in british columbia yeah they put me in uh in 2015 yeah. i was inducted into the country music hall of fame pretty so. major honor right yeah, there it's pretty cool and yeah. you presented this year right yes I and did. then also performed at this year's yep. show that's yeah, right very cool yeah. and i saw that becca was nominated for what was a female artist of the year yeah, Becca got a couple of nominations. We got nominated at the uh, BC Country Music uh, Awards. We got nominated for... Uh, Becca got nominated for Entertainer, and then uh, we got nominated for Song of the Year for one that we wrote together. Oh, it's uh, awesome. Called I Don't Do Love Songs, which was... A, it's a great song. I love the song. It's just such a fun tune, and what I love about it is, you know, in my songwriting career, Harlan Howard was a, a big part of my life. Uh, for those of you who don't know Harlan Howard, just look on the internet. He wrote everything that was any good. Mm -hmm. You know, him and Hank Cochran and a few guys like that. Yep. So uh, the kind of the hook line in the song is, you know, I knew Hank and Harlan. They did it all the time. They poured out their heartbreak with every line, you know, and that's one of the... Uh, things that got me started writing the song with Becca. Anyway, it got nominated. It didn't win, but uh, it got nominated. <laughs> but Becca and I did get uh, awarded the uh, uh, Country Music Person of the Year this year, oh, which that's was awesome. really cool. You know, it's uh, Don Adams. They named the award after Don Adams, which is a guy who I was great buddies with for many years uh, huge part of the BC country music scene the whole Canadian country music scene Donnie was very involved uh, was the president of the association for a long time wow. and a very dear friend of mine he put me on a lot of tours a lot of different things uh, you know way back in the day I toured with Tanya Tucker and you know people like that a lot of them uh, you know, Loretta Lynn and yeah. uh, Tammy Wynette and people like that. And they were the, you know, they were the people that put me on tours like that. Don Adams and Claude uh, Lelivre, you know, uh, now I'm bragging, but, you know, no, I got, keep to, bragging. Keep got bragging. to work with Johnny Cash and George Jones and Merle Haggard and all of them. And, and Donnie was a big part of it. So to get the award that was named after Donnie was pretty cool. And to get yeah. it with my daughter oh, awesome. was really cool. I, I can't imagine anything making you more proud than watch Becca, you oh. know, do her thing and like fly as she's doing right oh, now. She does a song in our show where she does that make the world go away. Yeah. Get it off my shoulders. And I sit there and ball. <laughs> Side stage. Like, I do this show called The Songs That Wrote Country Music. And it's one of my uh, absolute biggest pleasures in life is to do this show. And I know, Donnie, you're going to do it with me I this year. I can't wait. And we're really excited about it. We've got a couple of shows coming up here in Arizona that we'll, uh, hopefully, Donnie will tell you about. Uh, but it is a, a nod 
to not just the great artists like Merle and Johnny and, and Willie and all of that, but it's a nod to the writers because, you know, being a, I was a staff writer in Nashville for a long time and, you know, got a lot of, a lot of hits or a lot of cuts, just no big hits. We were just laughing about that off camera that, you know, I'm the king of no hits. But <laughs> <laughs> How many songs do you have published? Uh, I have eight, nine hundred published, but I've had over two hundred recorded, but mm -hmm. no, no big hits. It, it blows me away. You've got nine hundred personal original right? songs That's published, <laughs> and it's taken me it's like no big deal. It's <laughs> taken me fifteen years to write my three. You know, and <laughs> I just don't know how you do it. It's you know, just because they're published doesn't mean you're good. You know, it just means that your uh, publisher likes them. Yeah, but the That's fact it. that you can sit down and you can look at something and then you know have a whole like backstory to a song and like you know be able to get words out the way you do. I've sat and written songs with you, and it's amazing how you can just like spit it out. You know, just like it comes right out and there it is I mean, it's no effort it's oh, thank you. pisses me off don't quite let, a bit actually don't let Donnie fool you we, we've written some good ones you know we have we've written some good songs let me do one please here's one that Donnie and I uh, I had the idea walking with my wife you know what I gotta set it up better yeah set it up I actually uh, the night before I started to write this song a uh, good friend of mine that I'd known for many many years uh, Ricky Hutchison and his wife Sherry, um, they'd been they fell in love in, in like grade six, you know, wow. and got married right out of school. Had a couple of wonderful kids, and just had this this unit of friends that were so tight uh, that it was unreal. And anyway, Ricky hadn't called me in a couple of years, and you know we talked, and we you know once in a blue moon, but still very very good friends when i went to town always made sure i seen him and sherry yeah. and he got me he gave me a call just before you know just before christmas a couple of years back and uh sherry had just suddenly died at 51 years old i think she was 50 or oh, 51 what a bummer and she just up and passed away and uh ricky called me and and i mean he was uh, he he was devastated. He didn't, you know. He he played the cowboy. He's a true cowboy, an old bull riding buddy. All his brothers are bull riders too. But uh, he started to talk to me and said this had happened. And I sat down and I thought, man, what would I do if this happened? I love my wife dearly. You know, I know both of you guys do too. And uh, you probably love your own wives as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, I uh, went for a walk the next morning, and I looked over at my wife, and we were walking along, and this came into my head. And then I called Donnie and said, hey, Donnie, come and, come and play with me. And uh, we wrote the last four or five words together, and, you know, just kind of. <laughs> anyway, I, I like this one. I'm sitting watching you. Watching TV by yourself Wondering what I'd ask for If I could have anything else Would I ask for money? Better job, a bigger home Or would I ask for more What I already own In this house filled with things We just don't need if I could have it all, here's what I'd want for me More love, 
want more smiles, more laughter and more tears, more Sundays, more fun days, a couple more cold beers, more time together. Just doing what we do, more of everything I'll ever need and more, more you. There's been so many moments I just let slip away Those moments turned to hours The hours turned into days Shut off the TV Let's put some soft music on Let's just sit here together Watch the night come on Girl, loving you is all I want to do if I could have it all, here's what I'd want from you. More dear, more smiles, more laughter and more tears. Your hand in mine as we walk throughout the years. Your time together, just doing what we do. More of everything I'll ever need and more for you. More you. I want more you. Yeah, That's awesome. Man. Great. <laughs> I screwed up the words, but you know. <laughs> I think you're allowed to do that in your own song, right? Yeah, but you know, that's uh, writing is always such a, a fun thing to do. It's uh, it's a part of what I've always done. So, thank you for saying that. Oh. You know, but it's just it is what it is. You know, like I I feel very lucky that if I have a thought, I can write it. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, it's been good to me. But you know, you can write 800 songs and still not make a living at it. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for the After Hours podcast. We appreciate you more than you will ever know. Right now, we are trying to build up our YouTube page, and we need your help. If you could please go on YouTube and click on the magnifying glass, type in Donnie Gribban, click subscribe, click the bell icon, and click on all. It would really help us out a lot. Again, we thank you for everything that you do, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for helping us out. It's an awesome song, man. I dig that one. I think I've heard you play that maybe one or once I, or twice. Yeah, I so. think I've only played it live a couple of times. I, you know, it's, I don't think I played anything with you no, as far no, as that no, one. I've I think I've heard you play it here, though. In fact, Donnie and I have only played it a couple of times together. Just yeah. kind of, we haven't really done it. I know it's one of them that after the second chorus, I know he'll just throw some killer lead in there, and away we'll go. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know at that, but I don't know, I don't know about that. But yeah, I like how you guys are just so like bashful towards each other and all this stuff. <laughs> well, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to play the guitar part. Oh, I don't oh, know if I'll be able to write those lyrics. You know? Yeah. Oh no, I, I I'm never bashful about whether I can write lyrics. Lyrics is something that uh, I absolutely love to do. You know, I uh, I don't know why I'm you know I'm, uh, I have a grip on the English language the way that I do. <laughs> You know, yeah, because yeah. I'm as uneducated as you could get. Yeah. I'm a true backwoods hillbilly, but uh, <laughs> just, you know, 
so are all my favorite songwriters. Well, that, that's why I dig you, man, because, uh, you know, I, I've never met anybody else that, you know, enjoyed, like, putting the stories to music, you know, as much as oh, you do. Man. And I that's something I've always been, like, insanely passionate about my whole life, you know, and that that's what I miss about about what uh, I don't want to say what country music used to be because it's they're still out there but no it is you're right and 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 I don't think we should be bashful about it the thing is is uh, you know I think Merle Haggard nailed it when he said they asked him about what uh, what he thought of country music today and he said well when you can whistle the melody to me he said it'll be an okay song yeah and it's a great point. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing that Harlan always said to me is he said, your lyrics should be, make sense when mm-hmm. you read them. Yeah. And I don't think it's doing that today. That doesn't mean the music of today isn't successful and isn't appealing, because it is to a, a very large crowd of people. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we have to accept the fact that there's change. Because, yeah. it, it, you know, I'm, I'm old enough now. I'm damn near 60 years old. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it go cyclical. I I started touring in 1977 when I was like 15, 14 years old. And, uh, you know, I got to work with guys again bragging, but Don Williams and Charlie Pride. And I've seen it go from that into Exile and bands like that. And Sylvia, you know, with... Two doors down, we're yeah. laughing and drinking. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying, you know, doesn't mean it wasn't a good song, wasn't a good record. It just means it didn't appeal to me. Yeah, well, and, that, that, that's what I meant too. Was like it, 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 there, there's still people writing story songs. You know, that, that's what I've always oh, associated. Dean Dillon, Dean Dillon yeah, will write the best, uh, the yeah. best songs for the rest of his life, and he doesn't care if anybody records them. Yeah, you know. Granted, he's had 60 recorded by George Strait, right. so I guess why would you care? Helps a your, little bit, right? Your pillows are stuffed with $1,000 bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what amazes me just looking at you you two, like, uh, I, I, I'm obviously a drummer. Like, I, I couldn't <laughs> sit down and, like, write, you know, um, like, anything like Donnie does and then, you know, be able to put lyrics to it like you do. Like, it's... It, it's just amazing to me. Like I try to sit down and just even mess around with that stuff, and I could get maybe like a little bit of an idea, and then I'm just like, and I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about it is that I've I've said it all along. My my heroes were guys like Harlan Howard and Hank Cochran and Dean Dillon. You know, and there's lots of other ones. I mean, my all-time favorite writer is Shel Silverstein. Oh yeah. Most, most people have never heard of Shel Silverstein, and those who have think, well, he wrote kids' books. And he did, but he also wrote every single hit that Dr. Hook ever had. Yeah. And if you start listening to some of their songs, the depth of it, I'm not talking about, she was only 16, but I'm talking about stuff like, Sylvia's mother says, oh, man, you listen yeah. to that, and she's the queen of the silver dollar. Stuff like that, or come mm-hmm. on, carry me, or I'm going home. I'm going home f- to me, and I don't know if it really was, but it's a, it's a suicide song. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been lucky enough to meet Shell, and I wish I would have 
You met Shell? Yeah, he, we worked in the office in Harlan Howard when I wrote for Harlan. Oh, he was a he, staff writer also? No, he had his own office. Him and Eddie Rabbit both oh. had an office right in the same in the <laughs> same house that Harlan <laughs> That's had awesome. his office. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. You know? But I only got to meet Shell like twice and uh, never had the balls to ask him, listen, that's my favorite song. Was it about suicide? You know, and sign my book of light in the attic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know, it's. Uh, mo- I was going to say most of them. Others in Shell. Shell was an educated man, but they weren't educated writers. You know, mm-hmm. they were just. They wrote because God touched them on the shoulder and said, yeah. "Write that down." You know, and you know, I've always said that many times I've been tapped on the shoulder and I, I see a piece of paper hit the ground and I go, oh, there's my song. And yeah. it's, it basically, I just have to describe it. Now, please don't think I'm saying that I've been touched by God. That's not what I mean. But if you believe in, if you believe in God and you believe that he gives you, you know, gifts and, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be gives you a wonderful wife or gives you healthy children or whatever, nothing wrong with it, believing that he gave you a talent. That, Absolutely. You know, and to me, to be able to play the guitar like Donnie does, play the drums like you do, or, you know, do what I do, it, we were pretty lucky to get that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm thankful for that quite a bit. And and we should be. I mean, I've never had to pack a lunch, you know, <laughs> and that's a pretty cool thing for yeah. an old fart like me to say, you know. <laughs> I'm not a rich man, but I'm extremely rich when it comes to the life that I've been able to live. Yeah. You know, and uh, I got some pretty cool experiences in my life. Absolutely. Because of music and because of writing, you know, <laughs> and... I'd say so. Some of the stories you've told me, it's like, man, dude, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've worked with everybody that I ever, I mean, every one of my heroes. I never got to meet Lefty Frizzell, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which I wish I would have been able to work with Lefty. Uh, but, you know, pretty much everybody else. You guys were there for my greatest thrill. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> i, I, I got to tell this story because it about had me in tears. A couple, it had a, me in tears. A couple years ago, we were up in Canada with Kenny, um, both as Kenny's band and as the Donnie Grubb band. Um, and we were, Kenny had a, Kenny was opening for Willie Nelson and uh, we were backing him up and it was that, just that by itself was an amazing situation. Um, but then Willie uh, sent an invitation to have Kenny join him <laughs> on stage for, for one so of the awesome. songs. I and, did six. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You were there for a while. And uh, so we're playing our set to, I mean, countless amounts of people and <laughs> Willie's, I, I don't know who it was. It was a stage, it was a stagehander of some sort. I don't know who it was. Came over to Kenny while Kenny's performing, and he said, "Willie's ready now." And Kenny's like, "All right, go <laughs> right in the middle Kenny, of a set, dude. In the middle of a song." <laughs> Kenny was gone um, because uh, the stage stages were set up right next to each other. So uh, Kenny stage, Willie stage, they were stages that rock back and forth the whole day long and uh so kenny runs from his stage over to the other stage and gets ready to join willie nelson on stage (laughs) so we were uh i was lucky enough to get to stand you know like a side stage and watch this whole thing but you saying the first thing you went out there and saying was uh it was a it was a gospel tune wasn't it i'll fly away glory I'll fly away. So I, I stood like 30 feet away and watched Kenny sing I'll Fly Away with <laughs> Willie Nelson. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and ridiculous. I turned around and I went, That's Willie <laughs> Nelson! 
that? <laughs> right in the middle of a gospel song. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes, man. It was insane. Yeah, it was pretty cool. My uh, my brother was backstage, which, you know, I've got a bunch of brothers, but me and Killer, Randy is his real name, but we call him Killer. Uh, we stood backstage. Both of us had big tears in our eyes, and uh, he, all he did is put his arm around me and say, wouldn't it be cool if Dad was here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was. Well, yeah, he was there. Yeah, he had just passed away a few weeks before so it was uh it was a pretty cool moment and that was a that was huge i i i, I went numb for a little bit yeah because of that you know and, and, i did too you know just a lot of people you know in, like in our, that are in a different world don't really understand like the iconic position that willie holds with a lot of us kind of folk and uh to it's it's like i don't know i don't i don't want to say like meeting a religious figure but it's kind of like meeting a religious figure you know you know being in the presence of something like I don't know. He just holds like this aura. That, they're like, legends. You know? you know, they're legends. I know. Uh, they're almost like fictional characters. You yeah. know, it, I would yeah. definitely if, believe that. If yeah. you're a hardcore sports fan, if you are a hardcore sports fan and you get to shake hands with Tiger Woods mm-hmm. or, or uh, you know, even better, Tiger says, hey, come and take a swing with Michael. Right. Jordan. Yeah. Michael Straight Jordan up. says, you want to shoot some hoops with me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or Jerome Bennis runs you over. <laughs> doesn't even say sorry. Doesn't even say sorry. It sounds more like Jerome. I was going to say let you play ball with him, but I think you just run it But, you know, that's what it's like. You know, for me, it was like Wayne Gretzky passing me the puck, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's a, it's really something. And I know that's what Donnie was trying to get across is, uh, you know, to actually be welcomed into their world is, is pretty exceptional. And that's what I felt like. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to hang out with him a little bit, yeah. too, before yeah, he even cool. went up and played, right? So, yeah. question, did you smoke weed with Willie? No, no. <laughs> you I, didn't. <laughs> no, no. I've, I've smoked weed once in my life, and that was, uh, it, which is really weird for a songwriter, because every songwriter I know smokes weed like it's a cure for being high. <laughs> <You> know, but, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't. I tried it once when I was, like, I don't know. 15 or 16 and i i ended up flooding my buddy's trailer so <laughs> i went in to wash my face and i guess i put a plug in the sink turned the water because <laughs> that's what you do left it on <laughs> that's how i was flooded the whole place so I, I, I i tried it like in my early 20s for like a very very short amount of time yeah. and yeah it, i'm already crazy anyway so that just <laughs> amplified crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah it was not pretty yeah, it was not not my finest but moment. With Willie Nelson, though. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I mean, you know when I think about it, if Willie had asked me to smoke some weed with him, I, I wouldn't have turned him down. I mean, it's Hell Willie no. Nelson. <laughs> That's know? what I was saying. Like the whole time, I was just like, if for some reason, yeah. Willie Nelson comes across just like, oh, you know, right. like, <laughs> if Dolly said hold these, of course right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Can he sing us another one of your songs? Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Like what that. do I want to play? The problem is I want to sing something that's a songwriter's song. But uh, this is one that uh, I always play every night just because um, I mentioned I've never had any real hits or anything. But... This one uh, was a number one single for me back in about 1989, and uh, I wrote this one for a girl who uh, who dumped me. 
like most do, and, uh, <laughs> or did, and uh, I, I figured I was, one night I drove over to her place after we had broke up, and I thought, I'm going to talk her into falling back in love with me, and uh, didn't work out so well, because I seen her going to the house with another guy, so <laughs> anyway, I wrote this one, I got my revenge. <laughs> this again I've heard all your alibis this one time try the truth cause I can see right through your lies well I've been waiting here all night I'm much too tired to fight I've seen him drive away What else can I say But have a good life And go on, have a ball My bell If my heart breaks I'll never tell Even Cinderella's dress Turned into threads When that old clock struck twelve You dropped your crystal ball Traded it all For what you call the good life I know I've made mistakes And you came out in second place You were always on my mind Girl, you're first there every time You know that that's the truth but you haven't heard a word I said Even though the consequence is you alone in the end Still you choose the good life So go on, have a ball My bell if my heart breaks, I'll never tell Even Cinderella's dress Turned into threads When that old clock struck twelve You dropped your crystal ball Traded it all what you call the good life You dropped your crystal ball Traded it all For what you call the good life 
Nobody writes songs like that anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They just don't play them. That's all. <laughs> There's lots of great writers out there write pretty songs and hurting songs. Yeah, you're right. There are. There's so many of them. I always said, you know, I was so lucky. I got to meet a lot of great songwriters in Nashville. And the sad thing is, is so many have made a living and had big hits on their shit songs you yeah. know the 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 stuff that the i'm not kidding you if you could just sit in the living room of some of these great writers that that wrote very average songs that became big hits yeah. if you got to hear the stuff that they go oh but let me play you one you know let me play you one that i like and that's if, if you ever get a chance to sit in on a writer's session that isn't in the round where they're playing you know oh well here's one i wrote for this guy and here's one that you heard on the radio that's great and all the power to him but other than guys like dean dillon or skip ewing you're not going to hear their best songs unless you hear the stuff that they didn't get cut yeah. you know the stuff that got turned down it just blows you away yeah like you know? the, the stuff that like has all their heart in it kind of thing and yeah, yeah. that that touch you in ways that you just it's it's impossible to imagine that somebody else felt the same way as mm -hmm. you do. Yeah. You right. Know, yeah, and that that's, that, that's the thing right there yeah. is they you know, good writers have that ability where they can pull you into their oh, oh into their song question. because, you know, they're they're relating to you, you know. That's yeah. a that's a magical thing. Oh, you know, there's there's lines that I hear. I remember the first time that I, I heard, uh, I was standing at the counter. I was waiting for some change. When I heard that old familiar music start. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, it's a song called The Song Remembers When. Yeah. And uh, I believe it was Trisha Yearwood that did that. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. But what a song. You know, it's mm -hmm. just that, that opening line that you go, yeah. I remember that happening to me too you know it's uh, music is like uh, a smell it yeah. really is no, it's, straight it, up. It, it's like an aroma that you remember you know uh, it's right back yeah. yeah for me it's like uh if i smell brill cream i think of my dad sitting in church yeah you know and that's what i think of or lemon oil and and brill cream or chlorettes because that's the only time my dad gave a damn about his breath so you know it's it's stuff like that and noxema reminds yeah. me of my mother's hands you know and it'll never be different i can smell it right now perfectly and that's what to me great songs are like is mm -hmm. they they're like that smell that gets inside you. You don't know who yeah. who wrote the song. Again, we come back to the songs uh, that wrote country music. That's what that show of mine is, you know, that we do. Uh, I've got some great players, and like I say, Donnie's going to do it with me. Um, it's a show that just it, it brings life to the writers. We yeah. get to tell a few little backs, you know, you know, writer room stories and that, that I'm privilege to be able to say that I got to meet these guys you know and you know I had uh, experiences like with Chris Christofferson mm -hmm. you'll appreciate this we were playing a show one time and uh, Chris was on right after us and uh, I was up there and I had this drummer that his brother was my bass player mm -hmm. and his brother said listen don't worry about it this guy's a hot drummer he's going to do a great job so because my drummer couldn't make this gig he was out with somebody else uh jerry adolph 
mm-hmm. and he couldn't he couldn't make it to the show, and so I said, okay, I'll let this guy play. Well, he was awful. Oh no, <laughs> he was <laughs> awful. And I'm like, oh great, you know. So I walk off stage. I'm madder than a wet hen. Like I'm 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 ready to literally rip this guy a new one. And I get off stage, and there's Chris Christopherson standing yeah. there, and he goes. Hey, Kenny, how you doing? I shook his hand, and I said, great. So, you know, thanks. You know, yeah. he says, hey, great songs. And then he looks right at me, and he goes, if you don't fire that drummer, I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was cool as hell. Like, you know, how many people have a story they could do? Right. Chris Robertson wanted to fire my drummer. <laughs> but that was pretty cool. That's, you know, that's pretty uh, funny. That's slick. That's slick. <laughs> well, and you know that Chris Christopherson was paying attention to what yeah, you were doing, well, you that's, know? That's what I took from it is, you know, he was listening because yeah. that drummer was bad. I won't mention his name, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. It was ugly. It was ugly. Oh, man. Yeah. No, us drummers, we can fuck stuff up pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Most important person in any band, and we can kid ourselves, Donnie would never sound as great as he does. I would never be able to do what I do. If you don't have a good drummer, you've lost it. Oh, I agree. Drummers are so vital. They drive the bus. It's what I say every time they drive. I'm not saying you're good. That's why I'm saying he's wrong altogether. (laughs) No, but the truth of it is, is people don't really notice. They Mm -hmm. don't know that. But a drummer, and I'm not talking about somebody who's always playing Neil Peart and going all over and going crazy. I'm talking about that rock solid guy. And it's a rhythm section. You got to have the bass player in there too. And they create this pocket that make you want to dance and create this bed for the other instruments the uh, steel the guitar for the mm-hmm. for the lead guitar for the rhythm and and for the vocalist you know and, yeah. and uh it's very very important drummers believe me when you go to see a band and you want to dance to them it's because the drummer's doing it right yeah absolutely that's it oh you know? it, it seems uh the last uh five six years that i've been playing with donnie here it's like uh, it, it, you, I've realized like my job within this group is not to be a distraction That's more than exactly anything. Right. You know, well, you know, uh, the best bass player in the world, you never notice him. Yeah. Ian Tyson used to say, and Tom told me this. I didn't hear him say it, but Ian Tyson, Tom's been my band leader for a hundred years, but Tom said that Ian Tyson once told him, walked up to the bass player and said, "If I notice you tonight." you're fired <laughs> and that's the, that's you know, brutal yeah. Yeah, that, how cool is that and yeah. it explains how important a bass player is yeah uh, it doesn't say you're not important it yeah. says you're so important that if i notice you it's because you did something wrong yeah, yeah. you know and I, I don't know how many nights when you know you've been on stage and you have a great rhythm section that you don't notice them except that you go God, they yeah. were so great tonight, yeah. you know, because I didn't notice everything. Them. <laughs> I didn't notice them. You just felt this this movement uh, in the music, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, yeah, you're, that space is there. One hundred percent correct about that. You yeah. know, it's funny. You know, it, it, that I ended up close your ears. 
But I ended up with like one of the best country drummers that I've ever played with my whole life, and it wasn't until like a couple years ago that he even like ever heard a country song. Uh, you yeah. know what? And, and, I listened to Garth Brooks. All right, he, he will be the perfect drummer when you get him to throw away the ride cymbal. Okay, <laughs> right. once you've got when you see a drummer and he's got three cymbals on his stage, I'm going. He ain't a country drummer yet, dude. Once we get him to get rid of it, or just, or just hit the crown. That's it's just the crown. Just dude, the crown. that's the that's the truth. Though, because like Willie's drummer had like a snare drum, a bass drum, and a hi hat. Yeah, but he just sat on the hi hat, <laughs> right? <laughs> he just used yeah. it to hold his beer. You know, but the the truth of it is is it, it's it's not a simple music. It, no, you can say as a drummer, it's one of the hardest musics to drum to. I have said that. Country. I've it's, said that many times <laughs> directly to me. Yeah, but it is, and and like I hear all the time. Oh yeah, it's just three chords coming from rock musicians, and I go, really? <laughs> right. Come but sorry, do you need power chords? And by the way, yeah. by the way, leave your distortion pedal. In. Yeah. You know, just plug into that old Fender Twin over there, and don't don't do anything. Just mm -hmm. play, and and I'll be impressed. You know, yeah. and I mean George is a great example. I love George. He comes down and he plays mm -hmm. with you, but he's the first one to say that country music kicks my ass <laughs> and it does because it is so pure and simple to me but it's not simple it's, oh, it's yeah. not simple. intricate i mean it's like people think bluegrass is hillbilly music and it is hillbilly music but it's some of the best music in the world yeah, some like, of the best musicians the, you'll the, ever find in your life are, are bluegrass musicians. players they absolutely are you know i uh, i listen to them and just go oh my god yeah. and their voices they're so pure yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> don't get me started on bluegrass i know i know well, I'd like to, I, right, donnie's I, got a niche over there right now oh, i, I like me some bluegrass i love bluegrass music i don't write any but i love bluegrass music and you know i think of some of my favorite players you know like uh keith whitley was an absolute bluegrass yeah. junkie. <laughs> yeah, he actually played with Ralph he, Stanley. That's crazy. He played with Ralph Stanley along with, mm -hmm. Ricky, with Ricky Skaggs, Skaggs. and wow. Marty Stewart. Yep. Yeah. I did not realize. Yeah, they that. were oh, yeah. so uh Keith and, and Vince Gill too. Yeah, Vince Gill also. <laughs> but uh but Keith and and Ricky were both in Stanley's band together at the same yeah. time. <laughs> that's yeah, cool. Absolutely. That's cool yeah, how that I all think, works I, out. I think Keith Whitley was acoustic guitar. 15? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, crazy. It's staggering. <laughs> Yeah, that's why Keith had that cool voice too, though. You know, he yeah. had that. Don't close your eyes. Yeah. You know, he just had that little edge and that, mm -hmm. and it was so pure. I mm -hmm. loved Keith. Uh, yeah, I so do I. It's one of my absolute favorites of all time. I can, you know, always put on a Keith Whitley album, you know, yeah. and and love everything that comes out of it. And never get bored with it. Me you too. Know? Yeah, Keith Whitley and Merle Haggard are about the only ones. Yeah. No, not true. Not true. I I do love me some Vern Gosden. Yeah, can't go wrong there. <laughs> no, no, you can't. Yeah. I'd ask you to play one, but we can't do that because they'll take our video down. Yeah, well, yeah. I know you can't do that. That's okay. I wrote a, I wrote a couple with Vern, but uh, yeah. they weren't very good, to be honest. <laughs> Vern Vern was a, a a different fella. He really was. I uh, I loved him. Absolutely loved his voice. Thought he was the greatest. But he was he was an angry man, you know. Yeah. And uh, he he'd get halfway through a song and he'd be, uh, uh, you know, just madder than hell at something. You know, yeah. he hated the record companies. Something <laughs> terrible. I heard that about him. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. Yeah. Well, can you explain something just for uh, the, for folks that might not know 
or understand what uh what you did as far as uh, uh being a, a staff writer and oh, just yeah. kind of explain what a staff writer does and like what what your day kind of was like as that yeah well uh what would happen is uh, uh i got hired as a staff writer so i got paid to write songs that they your publisher hoped to get cut and uh, my day would start out i show up at the office at nine o'clock in the morning and i'd write four or five songs in a day you know i'd, I'd go into a session to write with this guy and then with this guy and this guy and this guy and i loved it i uh i the only thing that i found is it became more of a volume thing mm-hmm. you know rather than Qu- you know, it was quantity, quantity instead of quality, quality. Yeah. exactly um not to say that some great songs didn't come out like that and there are people who are brilliant at writing mm-hmm. like that i mean they're they're co-writing maniacs i you know i've probably written 80 percent by myself you know like that's just kind of more what i like to do but as a staff writer like you say i would get uh i i got paid a, a wage every month to go and write songs and uh you know there was there was years where i literally wrote two three hundred songs mm-hmm. and uh that's just the way it, it worked so did they do you have a quota when you're on yeah. staff <laughs> yeah i did uh your quota is usually the one that i had like i didn't have one with harlan because harlan was just uh you know that's not the way he worked yeah but uh i still wrote a lot of songs there uh but where the quota came in was with curb i ended up going when harlan one day he said to me he says kenny you need to get a record deal he says and the best way to get a record deal is to go get yourself a publishing deal and uh i was at the time i was working with him and uh he said go get a go get a record deal and he says i'll give you all your songs back and you know just go in and 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 do it and so i said well if he thinks i can i guess i can so it was pretty funny because i walked uh out of the office and i drove just down to 16th avenue and up uh actually 17th and uh i was driving and on the right-hand side of the street was Sony Records, and on the left-hand side was Curb, and there was no parking in front of Sony. Sony. <laughs> Sony <laughs> to Curb. And I walked in, and I remember I, I walked in the front desk, and uh, I said, hi, I'd like to know who I need to speak to. And uh, Pam Brown uh, was a, a professor at uh, uh, Belmont University there, mm-hmm. and she had taken a real liking to me, and you know also it said curb she was uh, instrumental in me getting a record deal and everything but she said go over there so i i walked in and i said uh, i'd like to speak with whoever's in charge of your publishing and she said well who are you i said well i'm kenny hess and i'm hoping to you know get a publishing deal and a, and a record deal and uh you know she's kind of rolling her eyes and thinking you know yeah right and uh, i said i you know i just finished i was a staff writer for harlan howard and all of a sudden i hear somebody in the back go who hmm. i said for harlan howard and guy comes out and he says well let's talk and it was mike <laughs> it was mike curb he ended up uh, giving me the deal and, wow uh, so i ended up writing there and that was cool and you know going back to how you write they'll say you know we're looking for songs um 
for this guy or that guy. A, a great example is, uh, you know, I got asked if I could write a song for Don Williams. They said, Don Williams, we're looking for songs, so I'll just do a bit of it. But uh, I ended up writing this one. Uh, now I got to remember what it was. <laughs> you like dining after dark. I like hot dogs in the park. That's okay. You love wrestling on TV. You love reading poetry. So I listen. Two hearts taking different paths together. We agree to disagree. It's a recipe that's bound to last forever. The reason we're the perfect we is baby oh you and I mean. <laughs> so it just kind of suited the whole Don Williams thing. And, yeah. And, uh, of course, I didn't write it about Don Williams. I wrote it for him. But yeah. <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's, just, that's amazing. Yeah. But that's what, you know, and uh, that's what being a staff writer was about, was kind of trying to uh, suit your music, look at it from a different person's mindset and try and get into that. And, and I, I don't think I was very good at that. I was good at writing songs, but I don't think I was really that good at finding the song that fit the guy. For like an artist yeah, that, or I, another artist. I yeah. can imagine that's probably, you know, for me, like when I when I sit down to write a song, see, I can't write a song about something that that I don't know. If you listen to my songs, it's it's all about stuff that is yeah. my life, you know. Yeah. Um, to be able to like put yourself into somebody else's perspective or to somebody else's troubles or their loves or whatever, you know, that that's a... I don't know. That's a pretty amazing talent to be able to like say words for somebody else and then have them connect to it. You know, like if you if you're writing for a certain performer and uh, you know and you're good you're good at it, then you know to have to have that person be able to feel that enough to where they can honestly translate that to somebody else. You know, it's just it's an amazing thing to be able to write like that. I just yeah, and I'm I'm not sure that that's how people do it. I think. You know, like, you know, again, Dean Dillon comes to mind. I don't think he tried to get into the mind of George Strait. I think yeah. they were just kindred souls that were supposed to meet. Yeah. You know, you look at the whole story. If you get a chance, look up George Strait and Dean Dillon and the story behind it. I mean, Dean Dillon, uh, you know, it's not my right to tell his story, you know, but yeah. from what I've heard him say on online, I go online and look at his stuff all the time and yeah. go, God, he's so good. He has a great documentary on uh, he Netflix. Does. He right does. Now. Yeah, and and that's 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 one that is so well worth watching. I mean the guy was sleeping in a coal bin, you know, yeah. and in Nashville and George Strait was the guy who paid attention before George Strait became George Strait. George Strait yeah. So uh, you know, it, what a great story. And those yeah. two were meant to write together. You know, they really were. Uh, he wrote so many great songs and, you know, but, and guys like Hank Cochran and Harlan Howard. Harlan, when I wrote for him, the one thing that he said is, you know, just 
write your songs write what you're good at because yeah. i used to say i write all these sad songs and you know like i love to write hurting songs and i, I love to allow my mo emotions you know and uh, i said how do i write these positive ones so i can get them cut and he said don't he said good songs will find their way he mm -hmm. said when they need to hear a kenny has hurting song they'll know where to look for it <laughs> and and i thought that was so great you know yeah, that he he had that uh, that ability to do that and and tell you because i know i did try and you know like uh, george Strait, if i had to pick one that i i wanted to get him to record it with stuff like you pulled in the drive your heart starts to pound walking on air two feet off the ground on the cloudiest day the sun follows you around that's how you know you're in love Drop her off at a half past nine Still can't sleep, it's a quarter to five Can't stop thinking about that kiss last night That's how you know you're in love When you can't eat, you can't sleep Just thinking about her, your knees get weak Everything you do seems upside down Lose your breath at the touch of her skin The sound of her voice makes your head spin You don't want to let go, that's how you know You're in love yeah. Sounds like I could hear George Strait doing that. That <laughs> yeah, sounds like a George Strait song. Yeah, and uh, you know, which would be great. I'd love to have George Strait cut cut that. But there's a thousand other writers out there that are writing songs that are every bit as good and maybe better. You know. Well, um, can I have it? Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to record it. Of course, it's a great song. <laughs> I actually wrote that with uh, a guy who was a, a, another instrumental person in getting my my uh, writing deal and he wasn't a writer he was actually uh, a music guy and like a you know an industry fellow and I'm I'm so embarrassed that I can't think of his name right now and I owe him one I really do because uh, he was like I say he he seen me he used to, he interned over at Harlan's yeah. and he seen me and he said man I really like this guy and uh, that's the dude right there yeah and and I'm, I'm so he's got a different first name and for some reason I can't think of it it's on um, you know I've got it on the tip of your sheet. tongue yeah right on the tip of my tongue there's a good one that was right around that time too. Yeah, right that's another that Kenny time. Hess song by the way <laughs> yeah. um, you know so Anyway, he was he was great, and he wrote it with me. He was the one who brought me the idea and said, you know, I like the idea of that's how you know you're in love. And I was sitting in the hotel room at the time, and I said, yeah, that's it. Bolt in the drive, your heart starts to pound. And we wrote it in like 10 minutes. You know, so. <laughs> that's so crazy, but that that's like one thing that kind of blows my mind and is like a completely different, uh, a different uh view of music uh to me is like i've been in the process of writing the actual music stuff you know and mm -hmm. like being around other creative like musicians you know you've been well i'm saying musicians <laughs> because i'm uh, i'm gonna say you've been around 
people that'd be considered like you know a vocalist or yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like just like they write the lyrics you know like and yeah. just that whole creative process has to be just so different and then at the same time have some definite similarities that you know probably are parallel but you know guys yeah, i shouldn't say like us but like guys like me like i, I sit down and i uh, i wouldn't be able to do what you're doing but, you know but the thing is is you you differentiate between uh you you keep saying lyrics and that but the truth of it is is i write it all at the same time like i mm-hmm. never i could never take a great lick that donnie had written and 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 scored out and dropped it in front of me and said write something to it the yeah. way that elton john does like elton john takes bernie toppin's lyrics and he never changes one they never write together and he sits down and he reads that page and he goes goodbye yellow brick road mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like wow how does bernie come up with a, a lyric that's so well laid out yeah. you know unless it's something you know like you think about it how did elton find the melody for lucy in the sky with diamonds you know what i mean yeah you're listening to that stuff yeah. and going that's so weird you know it's such a great all of that is just so amazing with myself it it hits me you know what i mean there's mm-hmm. a, a, like i say it's almost like a piece of paper uh you know throwing whiskey on the flames is yeah. one that we played together it's a song that i was talking to my wife and saying you know i go out and play so many shows and i have so many people that come out and they know me and they feel like they know lana and i said to my wife i said God, I can't write sad songs anymore because if I do, they're going to think we're having trouble. <laughs> and she said, don't be ridiculous. You know, just go, you know, write what you write. And I went out and wrote Throwing Whiskey on the Flames. And I swear I sat down in my chair and it was like this piece of paper. Came yeah. Boom, there it was. And yeah. uh, it's just one of them songs that it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. That's a great song. I like that one. Thank you. That's, well, that's we like it so much we just recorded it. Say, we just recorded that one. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. It's a great song. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to show you. Yeah, but I'm going to do it like over the phone because I don't know if you're going to hug us or throw something. <laughs> no, no, right. no, listen, it's still my it's still my baby whether you dress it up in a dress or a pair of trousers. It's still my baby, so... You know, I'd prefer it being a boy. You didn't throw it in a dress, but you know, <laughs> to each his own. I'm not judging. And I'm not judging at all. I'm You'll a like very it. open-minded man. <laughs> but you know, songs are funny that way. You know, like and a lot of them. Uh, you know, I had one a pretty good hit record with uh, a friend of mine up in uh, up in Canada, and uh, uh, I'd rather die than move to town. Yeah, and it was one that really came instantly to me because mm-hmm. he was telling me the story about how mad cow disease had broken out on his farm and they had to slaughter all their animals including their 4-H calves and Aww. everything and it was awful and uh, you mind if I play Please it? do. Go ahead. He's literally telling me the story and saying he'd like to write a song for the album. Mm-hmm. You know, we were writing an album for him and He's, he's telling me the story, and I ended up going, If it ain't cold at home, it's always something else. And it takes every ounce 
of strength I own To keep that bottle on the shelf Crops are dying, prices are down And I can't turn my luck around Banker says it's time to sell right now But I'd rather die than move to town Cause every time I think of leaving I feel this dirt upon my hands I couldn't leave here if I wanted My daddy died here on this land I watched the neighbors' hearts break right in two As they loaded up the herd I tried to find a way to ease their pain But I just couldn't find the words If I'd fade in the pause that be Lord, they'll never hold them down Mark my words, he'll get back on his feet Cause he'd rather die than move to town And every time I think of leaving I feel this dirt upon my hands I couldn't leave here if I wanted My daddy died here on this land If I'd fade and the paws I'd be Lord, they'll never hold him down Mark my words, he'll get back on his feet Cause he'd rather die than move to town Mark my words, he'll get back on his feet Cause he'd rather die than move to town My favorite one. Is that right? Yeah, that is. <laughs> well, thank you, yeah. Uh, Warren was telling me, like I say, all about his problems on the farm, and he wanted to write one like that, and by the time he finished telling the story, we'd already written it. So. It's a fantastic song. <laughs> thank you. I hate you for that, by the way. <laughs> I, hate, I hate you every time you play Hey Joe. <laughs> Different reasons, though. Different, Different reasons. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, I again, it just blows my mind each time. Like you guys, either of you guys come out with a song and just like, I'm just like, holy hell, how do you guys do this? It just blows my mind. It's hate, awesome to sit here and be able to talk about it. Yeah, it's cool. 
I can't imagine what you would feel like if you sat down with with a guy like Dean Dillon or or one of the guys that has found that that niche and that success. Oh, he'd probably kick me out of the house. I'd be (laughs) yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, and I'm sure Dean would say this. You know, the beauty of it is is that people like him. And I'm assuming it with Dean. It's not like we're friends or anything. But I can tell you with guys like Harlan Howard, who is a friend of mine or was a dear friend of mine, um, or Ralph Murphy or any of these great songwriters that were around, they welcomed you with open arms because it was about the songs. You know, yeah. It was all about the song. It was never about who wrote it. It was never... We, God, it was such a fun thing to be able to say, hey, I wrote this. You know, like I heard something. I I remember the first time that I heard somebody say, oh, if I had a net, I'd be all right. And I ended up writing that song. Yeah, if I had a net. net. And, of course, it's about a girl called Annette. Annette, yeah. You know, and uh, just a fun tune. I couldn't wait to get back to the office and play it for the guys. I wrote it on the drive. I went over to this place in Nashville that we used to call the Murder Mart, which is where everybody <laughs> bought their sandwiches. But the poor guys, it seemed like every couple of years somebody gets shot and killed at that place. We called it the Murder Mart. You know? I, don't, I don't know if they still do. That's you know? hilarious. Anyway, wow. uh, not hilarious, but that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I heard this guy out front saying, "Well, if I had a net, I'd be okay." And I think he was talking about fishing. An actual net. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just thought, "Oh, that's such a cool line." And so I, <laughs> I started writing that in my head. And by the time I got back over to the office, which was only. Uh, four-minute drive i already had the whole thing in my head (laughs) crazy man i couldn't even imagine you know the thing about nashville when i was there i wrote a lot more when i was in nashville now you know like you get old and jaded but when i was there i wrote a lot more you know the the first year that i wrote for curb i probably wrote 300 350 songs because you're just pounding it out you know and it's like there was this energy yeah say i had a quota of 12 songs to write and i wrote probably 20 in the first week wow you know and i had a 12 song quota for the whole year so i way outdid my 12 for the year for the year 12 songs yeah Mm. that's what they wanted one a month you know they expect you to write but they had to be accepted yeah you know but i was really lucky like i say i probably wrote 300 songs in the first year and so i was good for a long time you know Mm. so well, I think like, like what I was kind of saying a little bit earlier there was uh, the fact that you're, you're with all those lyricists and songwriters like that 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 had to have just been like there's like creative. blossom like oh. it just had to blossom inside of you you know there's to be able to write 300 aura. songs you know it's yeah. it's a creative aura that's there it's 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 like you know God and every other power that there is had decided okay this is where we're going to let you write them great yeah. songs, you know? And there's a few areas like that. Like, there's no reason in the world Muscle Shoals could put out that many great, great records, but it just did. It had yeah. this magic to it, you know? You think of Detroit. Detroit had this magic to it. You know, and I know L.A. had its time, and New York had its time. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Nashville, Muscle Shoals, you know, Detroit, all of them places. There was something magic about it, and it was the right people meeting and getting together, and it created its own life. Yeah. And and I think that's what's, you know, I'm not an aficionado of Nashville. I spent a lot of time there, but nothing like, you know, I, I wasn't a fixture in Nashville the way there were so many great writers that were, and, uh, you know, I... Uh, uh, I had to raise a family, and yeah. I don't regret it for a minute. I got five beautiful kids. So. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's like, it's just crazy to hear about that. That's like a whole different side of the whole, like if some people would say industry, but I would just say just the, the art of it. Oh, that yeah. you know i don't i don't get to experience a whole lot of myself you know and yeah. I, I appreciate these stories to be able to kind of hear how talk it goes about down starving artists and that and to be honest with you i was never a starving artist mm-hmm. i wasn't i mean i guess in in about 1979 uh when i was well 79 i'd have been you know what is that 16 17 years old mm-hmm. um the thing about it is I uh, I moved away from my, the comfort of living at home. I was already making pretty good living singing songs, you know, and, uh, you know, had a side job working in a mill and stuff like that. So I was making good money doing that. I left there and I, I was so tired of country music. It had, I felt like, you know, the whole urban cowboy had changed it, it yeah. you know, to me. It was great. It made it very popular. But that's when you heard a lot of songs come in that kind of polluted the water. And right. It, you know, yeah. so I kind of thought, well, I'm going to I'm going to go. I'm going to move away and I'm going to sing something else. And I had an option, you know, of where to move. And I just decided to take the. I don't know, I probably had $60, $70 in my pocket. I had a bus ticket, and uh, I took off and went down to Vancouver. I didn't, you know, I had a guy offer me, said, you can sleep on my couch for a little while, and I went down and ate two or three meals a week and until we <laughs> ended up. That's true. I was, they called me Jack the Rack. I was skinny. <laughs> Jack <now>. the Rack. <laughs> I was skinny. And, but, you know, I had some great buddies that, uh, you know, I made great buddies there, you know, Mark Riley and a few boys like that. And we started a group called The Boys Next Door, which I showed you the funny picture of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, you looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just, we that's where I really learned it. That was the short time that I could say maybe that's what a starving musician is because for two years I lived off white bread and cheese whiz. And <laughs> there you that. go. That was it, every meal. That's Breakfast of champions had. right yep, there. We had it every meal, but, you know, we uh, we ended up having a very successful band and, uh, and it taught me life of being in a band rather than always just being a lead singer. But uh, we got a record deal doing pop music and I quit right before we recorded <laughs> because I just said I can't. Couldn't do it. Me and I went right back to writing country songs instead of pop, you know. And, you know, some of the songs we were, wrote were so bad. <laughs> <laughs> out there, out there, it's a brand new day. <laughs> oh, can't wait to hear that one. <laughs> no, right, yeah. I got to find yes, this. You can. I bet you this is on Spotify or something. <laughs> right, no. buried deep in the bowels of the we, internet we did somewhere. We write some neat stuff, though. We had a song. Uh, called political suicide, and I remember we got to play it for Ronald Reagan. He came, in, he came into <laughs> really? the place. His son uh, had a TV show up in Vancouver, <laughs> and so 
Ronald Reagan was actually in town and they had all the all the security guards and everything it was pretty cool and we were playing a club called Richards on Richards <laughs> and uh, it's a very famous club in Vancouver and we were playing there and Reagan I guess came in and sent a note up saying that he really liked the song we wrote called Political Suicide. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's kind of a cool story right there. Uh, yeah, cool. I know it was neat. I never got to meet him or shake hands or anything, but uh, you know, I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool, you know. That's pretty neat. <laughs> that's here a- I am. We're wandering. You guys need to know it's like three o'clock in the right and yeah, we're I all delirious. <laughs> all right, I gotta ask you a couple questions before sure. we get out of here. So one of the things I wanted to ask you I, I've been like an aspiring songwriter my whole life. That's all I've ever, ever wanted to do. You know, I yeah. never wanted to be a big guitar player or a musician, singer, what, any of that stuff. I just wanted to write songs. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of guys like me that are out there that just want to pursue that life right there. So for everybody who's doing that, including myself right now, what is the best piece of advice you could give for somebody who's trying to push some songs? Uh, again, I need to clarify that I'm probably the worst guy to ask about that just because I never had big success at it. Well, I never, you, I, I've, I've written a lot of songs. You've, got, you, you've made a, a ginormous career out of not having hits. You know yeah, what I mean? No, I've done well off of it. I have. I've, uh, uh, you know, but the biggest thing is, is if you really are a songwriter, you don't need my help. You just, you write. Yeah. Right. Writers write is the best advice that, uh, you know, Harlan, Harlan, I can only quote what he had to say to me. And it was like he, he had these brilliant little quips. And the biggest one for me is writers write. And if you have a, a pocket full of songs or you have a, a notebook with 20 songs that you really, really like, if you can write 25 30 songs that you know you like and they're good songs and i don't mean a teacher told you that they were good because teachers don't know shit okay (laughs) (laughs) they don't they drive me crazy i hate songwriting teachers they drive Uh me absolutely crazy they tell you all the wrong stuff (laughs) songs harlan said you should be able to read it on a piece of paper you know, and mm-hmm. it's so true. Take the very best songs that you love and read it, and it should read like a novelist. Harlan also said, we're novelists. We all are. We're novelists. Songwriters are novelists. But we only have two and a half minutes to tell the entire story. It has to have a start, a story, and an end. Yeah. And they have to correlate. They have to fit together. And if they don't, it's not a good song. you know and I love that you know but in that same breath I listen to a lot of the songs that get played today and that got played in different eras you know it's cyclical it comes around and you know there's going to be another Randy Travis comes up that pipe you know I was there in 1980 when all of a sudden you know you heard operator please connect me yeah. and i remember the hair standing up on the back of my neck and me going country music's back i remember the first time george Strait sang give me a bottle your very best yeah. and i went that's my man <laughs> you know? and it immediately got me writing again like really seriously writing and writing a lot and to me It'll come around. But even if your songs aren't that 
readable and that if you like them there might be an audience for them so I would never discourage you from taking them but you have to take them down to Nashville you have to find a way to get them into people um, I was very lucky you know I, I really was uh, when I got my first invite to Nashville it was from Harlan Howard mm -hmm. and he heard a song that I had written called The Good Life and uh, I was at an award show in Canada that he was speaking at, and he seen me there, and he gave me my first invite down to Nashville. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Him and Ralph Murphy. Ralph is one of my heroes. He just passed away last year, uh, but Ralphie had, you know, done a thousand things in his life, and yeah. so I was lucky uh, because of the fact that I was a singer at home, and you know, had minor success up there. I got in front of the right people. Um, and so that happened for me that way. And, uh, but if you have good songs, you know, you got to take them. You, you, right. you, and, and if you're in Nashville, even if you're not a great songwriter, if you're a good songwriter, you will be able to find other good songwriters to write with that maybe you're good at this, you know, you're good at hard rhyming where they're better at the story. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so between, he will learn from you and yeah. you will learn from him, become that much better. Then you move to the next level of writer and you go back and forth. And the beauty of it is when I was there, some of the best writers in the world, I mean, I got to write with, you know, Cowboy Jack Clement and, I, yeah. uh, you know, uh, stuff like that. And those are legends, you know, they're absolute legends. And so that was pretty cool. They were very open. And I believe it's the same way because every writer wants to write another great song. You ask any yeah. real writer, what's your best song? And he'll say my next one. You know, <laughs> That's a great truth. line. It yeah. is the truth, though. Yeah. It is. And, you know, I, I remember some of the songs that I took to Nashville when I first went down. The one that got me there was a song that I wrote about George Strait's daughter dying. Mm -hmm. uh, when she got, you know, God rest her soul, got killed in a car wreck. And uh, I remember I just had my oldest at the time, and her name's Katie, and uh, I ended up writing a song called Pony Ride. And about that, and we got time for one more. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is one that it opened up every door in Nashville for me because of Ralph Murphy and Harlan um, and... I got invited over to Jack Clements to, to play this song for him, and I didn't bring a guitar, and he said, pick a guitar. <laughs> and uh, I reach up onto the wall, and I pull it down, and it's a, about a 1950 uh, Gibson J200, Ugh. and I'm about to start playing. Beautiful blonde guitar. I'm about to start playing it, and he goes, that was Elvis's favorite guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time and only time in my life I ever got butterflies. And my stomach was just going I bet. <laughs> I'm sitting here, and then I start looking around the room, and I realize he's got all these pictures of him and Elvis and all these pictures of him and Jerry Lee Lewis, and there's a big piano that's got a flames all over it where Jerry Lee Lewis had written it, or burn marks, I mean. Jerry Lee Lewis had lit it on fire, but it's sitting in his office, which was this massive two-story barn that, you know. That's awesome. He, he had a band upstairs rehearsing for when he felt like going up and singing. And wow. I thought, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> but anyway, it was this song. And, and it was one, uh, like I say, when George's daughter got killed, my daughter was only a few months old at the time. And I got thinking, wow, this is crazy. 
Well, my little girl Katie loves a pony ride. There's nothing quite like the look in her eyes. Every time she holds those reins in her hand. So every time we can through the local fair, she's got a name for every pony there. Pays her dime and takes her pony ride. And she says, Run, pony, run. I'm having so much fun. And I know my dime will run out soon. But if I had a thousand lives, I would spend the rest of time running with you, pony, on my forever pony ride. Well, her pockets bulge with the sugar cubes she give to the pony when she's through. She loves to feel the pony kissing the palm of her hand. Then she'll kiss the pony, pat his mane, say goodbye till we meet again. All night long she dream of her pony ride. And she'll say, Run, pony, run I'm having so much fun And I know my dime will run out soon But if I had a thousand lives I would spend the rest of time And I'd race you to the moon on my forever pony ride Well I lost my Katie about a year ago Fair's in town, so I have to go Cause I know inside she be on that pony ride And I'll say, run, pony, run Can you take me to the sun So I can see my Katie one more time and tell me for a sugar cube would you take me to the moon so I can be with Katie on her forever pony ride when my little girl Katie loves a pony ride yeah.
Fantastic, man. That's the first well, time I heard that yeah, one. Yeah, I haven't played, played that one in a long, really? long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I did, you know, but it was instrumental. It was one that, uh, you know, it kind of opened a bunch of doors for me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That's I think we all have one, you know, like anybody who's had even mild success can tell you that they had one that kind of moved them up. them up. Yeah, yeah, it moved them up into that... Uh, that level of success, I guess, or that gave you the opportunity to, yeah. to have success, whether you got it or not, it still opened doors. I I had a ton of doors open for me, and a lot of them I wasn't able to take advantage of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for different reasons. And but looking back, I don't think I'd change too much. You yeah. know, I still I love my life and uh, got a tremendous wife and great kids and got a granddaughter. So. That's all you can ask for, right? It's pretty cool. Life's pretty cool. You know, I'm relatively healthy. I'm incredibly handsome. That <laughs> that pretty, dashing. pretty dashing. Pretty <laughs> dashing. So you're going to be here. You're, you're going to be in town for a while. but uh, Yes, I am. So there's a possibility you'll be down here at the Hitching Post again this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to come down this weekend. Awesome. Yeah. So if uh, not this weekend we're in right now, but the following weekend, right? Because people will see this on monday yeah people will see this. so okay well i won't be there that that weekend i'll be i got a show in california and then i got to go up to vancouver play a couple of shows then uh -huh. i'll be back the week out okay so i'll be around so you'll never know when kenny has my pop in the hitching post no and i know me and you were talking about the songs that wrote country music we're mm -hmm. you know we're doing a couple of shows yeah we actually have one here at the hitching post yeah i think we're gonna do yeah that. we're doing yeah. a tuesday uh february 11th is Correct? that one it is? Perfect. Yep. Yeah, we'll be throwing up posters and that, but come and see it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. going to be great fun. Yeah, it's a four-piece band. Uh, sorry, Kit, we don't have a drummer or anything. It's but, okay. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool thing, and it's, it's about what we're talking about tonight, which is songwriters. And uh, I play a few of my songs, uh, but it's more about the songwriters that move me. You know, the, you know uh, yeah. I, I love talking about how you know the song that probably got me started was merle haggard sing me back home yeah you know one of my favorite songwriters by the way oh man me too uh, again bragging but i had the pleasure of working with him a few times and just you, you know, bastard i know, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and i just uh, you know i idolized merle haggard just absolutely idolized him and you know you think about his songs now that's such a brilliant writer that you know uh, i don't see him writing a lot of songs for other people he was not your average staff writer that's yeah. even though other people did cut his music lots right. of people but they cut it because they idolized merle yeah. you know they weren't looking for a song that they put a little thing down oh by the way this was merle haggard that wrote this song and it was legitimately like legitimately a good song yeah they did it because they wanted to go this is a Merle Haggard song that yeah. moved me. I know I've recorded three or four of them. So. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So uh, do you have uh, websites, anything like that, that we can kind of get out there for, What's for everybody? Website? Websites. <laughs> yeah, some, uh, some, some stuff yeah. for people to kind of check out the, a little bit, get to know the Kenny Hess a little bit more there. Absolutely. Uh, my, uh, my website is just KennyHess.com, K-E-N-N-Y-H-E-S-S.com. Wonderful. Yeah. That show all your uh, yeah, social media it, and all that it, stuff, you know, too. It, it puts up... I, I, I'm really not... I'm sorry. I'm not a techie guy. All it's really got up there, it's got a few dates and okay. you know, some pictures of me from 
you know through the years and that but i don't i don't put a lot of stuff up there right. uh, i should <laughs> i know that but i just don't you know but i do update it once in the blue moon tell you where i'm playing and that absolutely 30 or 40 shows in this area that you could you could find on yeah. there you know uh so maybe one suits you there you go and also uh the rock and river music yeah, fest there, right yeah yeah of course we didn't talk about it but you know i'm the guy who started the rock and river music festival up in canada and uh, up in Merritt, british columbia and we got some great artists there maybe we'll do another thing and talk about that'd be great we've got on there and donnie yeah. and the boys donnie and kid are both going to be there playing with me and uh doing the donnie grub show you guys have become you know kind of local heroes up there now so we like to hear yeah no, it's uh everybody's always happy to hear you're coming back so yeah we well we love coming up there hey yeah, we like to hear it. when we're coming back too yeah we love to hear when we're coming back <laughs> well you are you're on the poster <laughs> i saw that i was like okay it's happening <laughs> like, oh, okay i can rest easy <laughs> well awesome. we made the poster yes you, we did we don't cut anybody after and, you know somebody made a funny comment a couple days ago because i posted that on on facebook they're like <laughs> you you're You've, your name has gummed up to the next font size on the it thing, has, so you're, yeah, you guys I are know. doing better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe next year it'll be bigger. Is what they said. I doubt. <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, man, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, thanks for hanging out, man. Yeah, absolutely, oh, thank man. Thank you for having me. It's always it's good been, to it's hang. Been fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Check the website. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we love you too. We love you, Kenny. <laughs> Have a good week, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? This is Kip from the After Hours Podcast. You may be asking yourself, why do we call this a podcast if I'm watching this on YouTube or even Facebook? Well, the answer is you can actually listen to us while you're driving or while you're flying or while you're swimming or even while you're working out. A lot of people like it this way because they don't have to look at our ugly mugs. The way to do this is that you click on the app that's called Podcast if you're using an Apple product. Once you're inside the app, you just click at the bottom where it says Search. Type Donnie Grub Band into the search bar that shows up at the top. Then once after hours with the Donnie Grub Band shows up, click on subscribe. And then you will be subscribed to the After Hours with the Donnie Grub Band podcast. So now anytime that we release a new podcast, you should get a notification and you should be able to find it really easily so that you can listen to it in your day-to-day events. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you guys.